0: Generic products are those that substitute for the brand names. They they you know have the same ingredients or things like that and there are some products that people will say I will buy the generics in this area. I speak at a lot of youth events and sometimes churches will purchase generic drinks. Instead of the name brand drinks, and so instead of Dr. Pepper, you get Dr. Thunder. Or instead of Mountain Dew, you get Hilltop Shine, you know, or something like that. I don't know. But there are all these different types of generic products. And some of those products are ones that you say, I will substitute those. But then you may have some products that you say, no, name brand only. Ketchup is one of those for some people. They don't want the generics. I know this is a little indelicate, but toilet paper is another one. (laughs) You do not want the cheapest Dollar General brand that you can get. And so you stick with the real thing. So, So there are generics, and then there are name brands. But they're basically the same with just a few differences. But there are some real products and some artificial products that aren't the same thing, that, that aren't just a different type of branding. They're, they're a different type of product because they are a substitute. Some of you may be watching your sugar, and so you may use an artificial sweetener, and you may drink a diet drink that doesn't have the real sugar in it. At the youth event where I was speaking over the weekend... Uh, one of the teenagers sitting across the table from me, I don't even know how this came up, but they were talking about uh, blood drives and things like that. We've got one of those. Is it this coming Wednesday? This Wednesday we have a blood drive here. And they were talking about a blood drive maybe that they had had at their school, and this girl sitting across from me said, if my grandmother ever tries to give blood, all they're going to get is Diet Coke. She drinks it all the time, so you know, that's just what going, is going to come out. But she doesn't drink real Coca-Cola. She drinks diet Coca-Cola. It's a substitute. It's artificial. It's not the real thing. Well, in the passage that we're going to look at today, James did not talk about faith and generic faith. He talked about real faith and pretend faith legitimate, genuine, authentic, real faith and something that appears to be real faith but is artificial, substitute, and ultimately worthless. Would you open your Bibles, please, to James chapter 2? I want us to look together at at this passage, really, we, we, we are in this series, you can see by the visuals here and the little board down front, we're in the second part of a five-part series called Faith That Works. The book of James is about living out our faith. The book of James is about, hey, if you, if you have the theological correctness, and you have surrendered to Jesus, then that faith ought to express itself. People shouldn't have to scratch their heads and wonder, is he or she really a follower of Jesus Christ? They should be able to tell by the outpouring of the faith, the work that comes from our faith. This passage, beginning in verse 14 and going down through verse 26, It really is the crux of the entire book. Everything before leads up to this passage, and everything afterwards comes out of this passage. We're not going to look at the entire passage today. Just some verses beginning in verse 14, please. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? In other words, what good is it if someone says, oh, yes, yes, I'm a Christian, but their lives do not demonstrate it? Can such faith save him? That rhetorical question has the answer, of course not. Anybody whose faith doesn't show up on the outside is not saving faith. Then verse 15 says, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. These verses talk about the difference between real, authentic genuine faith, a person who really does have a relationship with Jesus and those who only say they do. And there are lots of both in every church in America, those with real faith and those with pretend faith. Well, let's look at the pretend faith first. What are the reasons that some people may have pretend faith. It kind of looks like real faith. It's professed as real faith, but it isn't genuine. It isn't authentic. It isn't the real type of faith. It's pretend. James says that some people have pretend faith based on information. In other words, they know the Bible they know information. They have knowledge. They have an awareness. If you were in a Sunday school class, and could begin discussing doctrines and verses in the Bible, stories, historical people. They are familiar with the theology, the doctrine. They can discuss David and Goliath. They can talk about Abraham and Sarah. They're able to discuss information even about Jesus. They're able to say Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross for hours sins. he was buried, and rose again on the third day. They have all of the information about Jesus, but they don't have faith in Jesus. You might say, well, how is that possible? Look at what James said down in verse 19. He said, you believe that God is one. You have correct theology about God. You have good doctrine about God. He said, the demons do too. The demons that roam this planet trying to get you and me to do what is evil, wicked, and wrong." have perfect orthodox theology. They know God's eternal nature. They know God's power. They know the gracious work that He has done on the cross. They know for a fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. They witnessed it. They saw it. They could give eyewitness testimony to it. James said, look, the demons have the exact same information, and they know it very well, but they do not have faith. They have not surrendered, they have not submitted to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people sitting in church pews who have correct information about Jesus. They could point to particular places in the Bible where the stories of Jesus are told. In Sunday school classes, they can discuss the facts and details about the working of God in redemptive history. But they will not be in heaven with us. Because their pretend faith is based on information. The same type of knowledge, the same type of information that the demons also believe And they believe it so deeply that they shudder, they tremble over it. They recognize what what holiness is there. Pretend faith is faith that someone says, well, I must be right with God because I know a lot about God. But that isn't faith, it's pretend. Let me use this analogy to show you what I'm talking about. Let's say that one of Bershebite's students is up in Gatlinburg this weekend and sees a girl that he thinks is attractive. And he says, you know, every girl in New Hope in Caledonia has turned me down. So the only way that I'm going to be able to get his girlfriend is go with somebody out of town. She doesn't know that I'm a social freak. And so let's say that he begins, you know, trying to, uh, trying to approach her and he goes up to her and says, <clears throat> Excuse me, but <clears throat> are you a library book? And she says, No. Why? He says, Because I've been checking you out. <laughs> and so that sweeps her off his feet, off her feet. And so their little romance begins and they, they keep going back and forth and back and forth. And then when they graduate from high school, They make plans to go to the same college together. And so there they deepen their relationship and everything is going wonderfully. And then he brings her home to meet his parents and and she goes to or he goes to meet her parents and everything is going wonderfully. And then their Christmas break of their senior year, he decides, I am going to propose. I'm going to propose this Christmas. And he does that so he doesn't have to buy another gift. Here's your ring. And that's the way that he gets off. And so he brings her down to Columbus and does this elaborate plan. He takes her to the most romantic place we have here in Lowndes County. You know where it is. Sonic. And he proposes to her and she says yes. And so they begin the wedding preparations. They start picking out what type of food do we want at the reception? What type of music do we want in the wedding ceremony? What are the bridesmaids going to wear? What are the groomsmen going to wear? What time of the day do we want the wedding? Do we want it afternoon? Do we want it evening? What, what sort of decorations do we want in the church building? They start filling out the invitation list. They invite all of the girls' friends. They invite both of the boys' friends. And everything gets set And then on the day of the wedding, everybody's gathered, the music is playing, the candles are lit, but there is no groom. And the bride's father is, where is he? I knew it. And then someone says, well, let me call him. And he picks up a cell phone and he calls this boy. We're just going to code name him Braden. And let's just say, I'm just making that up generically. And so let's say that someone calls and says, "Braden, where are you? It's your wedding day. And he says, I don't know why y'all are so nervous. I don't know why you're so worried. I am married. No, you aren't. Everybody is sitting in the church building. Well, of course I'm married. I can tell you my girlfriend's name. I can tell you her birth date. Her hair is blonde. She weighs this much. Now, don't tell anybody that. I know her family. I know what her hometown is. I know the mailing address to her mom and dad's house. I can tell you her phone number. I can tell you her favorite colors, the music that she likes. I can tell you what what her major was, the hardest class. I'm already married. Why are you so worked up? Well, you know he's not married. And he won't be until he says, I do. Not until there's a commitment, not until there is joining, not until there is bonding together, can the minister sign that marriage license. Regardless of the fact that he knows her birthday, regardless of the fact that he knows she's blonde-headed, her weight, her hometown mailing address, what her mom's and dad's names are, what her mom's and dad's occupations are, he could have a catalog full of all of the information of every single, even the secret details of that girl. But until he professes his devotion and commitment to her and says, I do, I am now yours, he is not married. And neither is a person a follower of Jesus Christ until he or she says, I do. I surrender. Jesus, you are now in control of my life. When I stand at a fork in the road, I don't do what I want to do. I do what you want to do. When I am wrestling with my value system and priorities, I don't make my decisions based on what I want to do. I choose what you want to do. What I am troubled by is there are lots of people with correct information about Jesus, but they have never said, I do. They have not surrendered their lives to the lordship, the authority, and the sovereignty of Jesus. They do know about him, but they have not committed to him. And James said, that's pretend faith. That's not real. And people who have pretend faith, based only on correct information, will not be in heaven with us. They have the correct information, can fill up a book. But if their lives are not submitted to and surrendered to Jesus, regardless of the external appearances, they are not His. James said the demons aren't. And neither is anyone else who has pretend faith. Some people's pretend faith is based on information. Some people's pretend faith, however, is based on emotion. James used another picture here. He talked about the demons with their correct theology. In verse 15, he talks about a heartwarming moment. That stirred up some emotions in a person. In verse 15, James said, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. James said, look, let's use another analogy. Let's use something else that certainly will hit home with people. He said, let's say that you see a person who is in desperate need they're hungry they're cold they don't have shelter and you are emotional about it you feel compassion you are moved by what you see your heart is broken over the condition of the person and you say i really hope you get some food and i hope you can stay well and i hope that you can find a place to spend tonight but you don't take action james said is that faith real Yes, you had an emotional response. You were tender-hearted. You were sympathetic. You were compassionate. But the moment of tender-heartedness, sympathy, and compassion did not result in any action. And so as James says, so can that be real? Can it be something that is legitimate, authentic? Can it be something that has substance? If, If there aren't any results from it and James said of course it can't it can't be real what really troubles me is that there are people who when you ask them about their relationship with Jesus Christ they can't tell you anything current what's the last guidance Jesus gave you I don't know And when you ask them then further about, well, tell me about your your walk with Christ, they go years back to an emotional moment in a revival service or a youth camp or a convocation. And they remember the emotion of that moment. They remember how they were crying and how they were tenderhearted. They remember that something was going on, but it did not lead to life change. And they've been deceived, they've been fooled into thinking that they have real faith, genuine faith, authentic faith. But it's, it's based only on something that happened that doesn't have any results to it. And James said, that's pretend faith. That's not real faith. It's only pretend. I may have mentioned this to you before. But in college, the Rocky movies were huge. Big, big blockbusters. And what made them such uh, gripping theater, and the reason they made so much is because of the, of the variety of the plot. Everyone's different. You never know what's going to happen. You ne- you know that, You can't go into the movie theater predicting what's going to go on. But a group of college friends and I went to see one of the Rocky movies. And Rocky, of course, early, you know, was the underdog and, and had to fight back and he had to go into training. And if you've ever watched any of those training scenes, Rocky, I mean, he is just lifting all this weight. And in the one in Russia, he's carrying these logs. He picks up a dead donkey, carries him around. You know, he's really going marching through the snow. And they are very inspirational and motivational. They will have music pumping underneath. I mean, it, it, it's just sitting there. And, and so we, we, a group of college friends, it was the one night of the year that I didn't have a date with somebody. Just out with a bunch of guys. And so we were sitting there watching this and said, we're going to start working out tomorrow. And we all said, yes, we are. We're going to look like that. We're going to look like Rocky, Mr. T, the Russian That Russian woman's a little masculine. We might look like her. And so so we're really going to start exercising and working out. and, And so we, I mean, we got after it, but it didn't last, obviously. It did not last. But let's say that someone were to challenge me. Let's say that I would make a profession and say, Folks, I am in incredible shape. Let's, let's go back to that college time or since then. And let's say that, that I would say I am in peak physical condition. Man, I, I am this and this and this. And someone then were to say, but Mel, wait a minute. You know, you, you, you talked about this. Yes, and that's right. That's, what, that's the basis of what I'm saying. The basis of what I'm telling you about all the muscles that I have and the training that I have is this one night in the movie theater. When the music was playing and something was happening inside of my heart. And so, the reason that I'm telling you now about the muscles that I have is because of this experience years ago. If the experience years ago doesn't lead to change, the experience years ago is worthless. No matter how much you remember about it. No matter how detailed it is. No matter how emotional, moving, or motivational it was. James said lots of people in the moment will say, Oh, my heart breaks for you. Go be warm. Go be fed. Go be safe. He said if the emotion doesn't have substance attached to it, it's only pretend faith. It's not real, it's not legitimate, it's not authentic. And those people will not be with us in heaven. Because their faith is pretend. Some people's faith is pretend because it's only information. Some people's faith is pretend because it's only emotion. But James said you don't have to settle for either one of those, you can have real faith. you you can have something that is legitimate, that is a solid foundation. He said in verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith, can this pretend faith, save him? In other words, there is a different type of faith. And he shows us that in verse 18. But someone will say... Well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works. In other words, try to to produce a compelling case that you belong to Jesus with no life change. And I will show you my faith by my works. James said, I will tell you how I know that I belong to Jesus because he's changed me. He's made me brand new. I am not the person I once was. And there is the evidence of a living, vibrant, dynamic savior bursting out of me. He said, "I will show you my faith. I will show you. That I show you that I have legitimate faith. All you have to do is watch how I live. Watch what I do." One of the awful mistakes. That we make here in the south. Is that we settle for being good. Instead of being godly. How many times do you go. He's a good guy. That's a good lady. You've been to some funerals. Where the preacher was doing his best. To preach them into heaven. By talking about what a good man he was. But there was no evidence of godliness. Real faith is present in here. But it bursts out here. And people don't just think of us as good people. They know us to be godly people. People who are transformed by Jesus Christ. We differentiate ourselves from the other moral good people in the South. By showing Jesus is at work in me. What God's goal for for the life of every person who has legitimate faith is to work in us in such powerful ways that others look at us and say, that's what Jesus does when he changes a life. That's it. I've heard about it. I've heard about the change that Jesus makes. That is it. That's what Jesus does when he changes a life. Is that what people say about you? That's his goal. That's the evidence of real faith. That people don't just see good character. They see the presence of Jesus Christ bursting out of us. There are some things that are generic. And they substitute okay for the brand name things. They substitute in some cases even better. But that's not true with artificials. They can't ever be the real thing. Counterfeit money can't ever be real money. It has to be real. And what my desire is, is that every person in this room has real faith. Not pretend faith, not something that they are deceived about, that it is legitimate, real, authentic faith that shows itself in its works. Randy and Jackson are going to come lead us in a closing song of commitment today and In just a moment, we're going to sing together. And I'd like to make an appeal to you if you have questions about your faith, if it's real, if it's legitimate, or if it's pretend, I'll be standing here for just a moment to talk with you, to pray with you. Maybe you've got some questions about that or uh, something else that you want to talk about today. The way that a person has real faith is through looking at the cross where Jesus Christ died and saying, Jesus, without that work I am ruined and undone and I cannot be who you have called me to be without saying I do to you. And so maybe someone today wants to say I do to Jesus to submit, surrender to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. If so, I'd be, I would love to, I can't think of anything I would rather do today than talk with you about how to begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. Randy, what are we going to sing? Hymn number 443. Would you find that in your hymnals? Please let's stand together. Let's sing together as God's Spirit speaks to you. You come today.